All right. Well, I'm going to talk about child training. In the second part of these classes, we're kind of hitting on things that are not necessarily unique, but are distinctive about TCF. And um, I kind of think of them a little bit like house rules, not so much rules, but just kind of the way that we tend to do things in TCF. And one of the emphases is on child training, <clears throat> which I thought was going to be the harder of the two teachings tonight. But after the questions they asked Chad, I think I got off way, way easy in, in talking about child training tonight. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. It's not going to be overly long, but I have a lot of thoughts. They're not all connected. So if I say one thing and then say something that doesn't seem to connect to the first thing, just, just kind of bear with it. And can only really scratch the surface. Uh, can't give an in-depth teaching about child training, all that, because that would take weeks. Um, and I want to just say at the outset, uh, give a little disclaimer. I'm not talking about child training because I think that Dawn and I were all stars at child training or at raising our kids. There's a lot that we did diligently. Um, there are some things that we did not do well. And it's, you know, sometimes there, there are just times where we think about, yeah, we did not do that well and we wish we had done that better. So I'm not giving this teaching as somebody who's saying, you know, we did this perfectly, and so you should listen to us. Um, if you were to ask, if you were to ask me for Dawn and I to coach you on, in child training, I would probably point you to five other families um, before I, I would have you think about us. And then, if you insisted on us, I would have you sign all kinds of legal documents <laughs> to keep me from from getting in trouble at some point. But. We started visiting Lexington Christian Fellowship, LCF, in 2005, summer of 2005. So this summer will be 19 years. Sam was two years, he was not quite two years old when we first started visiting the church. And we were invited to a lot of people's homes for dinner. And so we accepted a lot of those and we would get to see families in action in their house. We get to see how parents interacted with their kids, how kids interacted with each other. And what really impressed me was the maturity of the kids that we saw, particularly older kids, teens, but even, even at a little bit at a younger age, just the maturity that we saw and didn't really, hadn't really expected. Um, Rebecca Cochran, who was Rebecca Coburn back then, would watch Sam during home group. I think she was probably nine. He was not quite two. And she would be just very patient and gentle with him and redirecting him and you know, just making sure that he was enjoying the time, but also that he was staying within boundaries. Older kids were very polite and helpful and just genuinely interested in following Jesus. And I had had a, a brief stint as a youth pastor once, and so this was all very surprising to me. <laughs> and so it made Dawn and I ask, like, how did these parents work with their kids to lead them into maturity? How did this kind of thing happen? And that's when we began to have conversations about child training, and people began to talk to us about child training. And there are kind of three things I'd like you to keep in mind if you're taking notes and thinking about child training, and that's vision, intention, and means. 
And it's a good formula for thinking about how to grow in something. If you, uh, if you decide at the beginning of the year that you want to run a 5K, it starts with a vision for it. Why are you doing it? Why do you want to run a 5K? Uh, then you have to have the intention. You have to really say, okay, this is something I'm going to do. It's not just going to stay in my head. It's not just going to stay in the realm of vision. I intend to do it. And then you have the means, the training, you buy the shoes, you, you plan out your training schedule, you sign up for the race. So vision, intention, and means. And in thinking about child training, the vision part is having a vision for raising a fully mature follower of Jesus. In our kids, raising fully mature followers of Jesus, that's the vision. And then the intention is committing to what is necessary to bring that vision into reality. And when you make a commitment to do what's necessary for that to happen, not all of it is easy. A lot of it can be very difficult. And then finally, there's the means, which provides the context for maturity to happen. It's kind of the playing field. That's the means. So I want to talk about vision first. Um, if you ever read uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I think Chad mentioned this in a sermon some time ago, the second habit is to begin with the end in mind. You have to know where you want to go before you can actually set out to go there. And I think Chad had said you measure twice and then you cut once. You want to make sure that you have it exactly so before you make the cut. Well, for child training, child training has the end in mind of a mature follower of Jesus who loves God and who loves others. That's the end that we have in mind in thinking about raising our kids and training our kids. Or another way to think of this, or a question is, what kind of old person do you want your child to become? What kind of old person? When you're long gone and they're elderly, how do you hope that they are in the world? Do you hope for someone that's full of wisdom and generosity and gratitude and who can bear with the challenges of old age with dignity and with grace? Or one who's full of scorn and resentment, blaming others for their pains and never grateful and never satisfied? What kind of, what kind of old person do you hope to raise? And this kind of thing can't be engineered. There's not a specific formula that will work every time. But it's also not just a throw of the dice where you just you know, hope that something good is going to happen. Some other questions. What kind of spouse do I hope that my child will become? You know, what kind of husband, what kind of wife do I hope that my child will become? What kind of employee or employer do I hope my child will become? Our, our son Carter works at Dairy Queen part-time. And I do wonder sometimes, like, what kind of employee is he? You know, is he... Is he nice to customers? Is he respectful to his manager when the manager asks him to do something? What kind of neighbor or friend do I hope my child will become? What kind of unjustly imprisoned follower of Jesus do I hope my child will become if that were to ever happen? What kind of character would I hope that they have to be able to endure and to bear that? I think sometimes we can get caught up in worrying whether our kids have all the opportunities in life that we would like for them to have. 
to be involved in sports, to be involved in music lessons, to be involved in these extracurriculars. And we worry about getting them started in certain things at an early age so that they can progress all the way. And I'm not, there's no judgment in that, but we do have to think, what good is it if our kids have these very full of activity childhoods, but then they wreck their lives as adults because they've always taken the least path of resistance and never progressed toward maturity. And they've always taken the path toward immaturity. What good will all the, the sports and lessons have done? What we don't address in our kids at age three, five, seven, will grow up into something at age 21 or 31 or 41 that we will regret to have to see. Now, sometimes, and, and I think that's why we, when we see certain behaviors in our kids that we know are, are not right and that we know shouldn't be there, when we see those kind of behaviors, we do have to ask ourselves, what will this look like all grown up? If this goes unchecked and this fully bears fruit, what is it going to look like when they're an adult? And I think sometimes we, we might think, well, they'll just grow out of it. You know, they'll just, you know, eventually they'll, they'll get older and, and they'll just grow out of it. But um, what I found is the only thing that kids grow out of is clothes. That's it. They don't grow out of their misbehaviors. They don't grow out of these kinds of uh, things that are occurring in their character. And that's why we have to help to train them out of it. Now, that's the negative end. On the positive end, um, I think of Daniel in the book of Daniel. You know, here's, here's a guy who got, got yanked out of his homeland, got put into Babylonian captivity. And I think, you know, what kind of training did he have growing up? What did his parents who probably knew if, if they paid attention to the prophecies, they knew the exile was going to come. What kind of training did they put into Daniel so that he could come into Babylon and say, I don't want to eat the food from the king's table. I don't want to defile myself with the food from the king's table. Or who could stand in front of this berserk king who alternately praises him and wants to kill him. Or could stand before that king and tell him to repent of his sins as he does in Daniel chapter 4, or who could pray publicly three times a day knowing that that was a death sentence, knowing that that was going to get him thrown into the den of lions. What kind of, what kind of things did Daniel's parents pour into him? Does that make sense? Now, the basic unit of child training, if you can think of it as, as having a basic unit, is what we call first-time obedience. And that's expecting that when we tell our kids to do something or to not do something, that they will obey the first time, that we don't have to tell them two, three, five, 20 times, that they will do it the first time. That's the basic unit of first-time obedience. And we should be able to expect them to do that. And again, it's not just so, it's not so that life is easy for us. But we want them to grow into the kind of people that when God tells them to do something, or when they know from God's word that it tells them to do something, that they will do it the first time. Or that they will not do the thing that they know that they're not supposed to do. Um, okay, so that's the vision part. I want to move into the intention part. Um, 
Child training involves more than just vision. Having a vision is good, it's important, but it also requires intention. You have to want to do it and then take intentional measures to begin making it happen. We don't get there by just hoping. We don't get there by just hoping that our kids will get it or just hoping that they will turn out. Uh, as somebody, I don't remember who it was, somebody said, hope is not a strategy. It's, it's not a strategy. It, it doesn't actually do anything. Um, the good news is, because child training is an important part of life in TCF, you don't have to do it alone. We don't want you to do it alone. We want you to link arms with other people who can get to know your kids and you can get to know their kids and you can encourage one another and you can point things out to one another and you can hold each other accountable. You can walk together in the journey of parenthood. If we're all working together to raise our kids as students of Jesus and becoming like him, then we can help each other in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the things I've always appreciated about the TCF co-op is that you know, the, the academic part is, is secondary or even tertiary. The main thing really is the moms getting together and being with the kids. And so any mom there, if they see a child who's, who's acting out, any mom can correct and, and go get the other mom. And, you know, it's just part of living life together. That's, that's the, the biggest payoff of, of that co-op. And not everybody in church is in co-op. And so we have to find other ways. We have to find other outlets for people to be able to link arms. Home group is another good way to do that. And home groups, parents can talk one to, uh, to one another, can share observations, can encourage one another. Um, in this intention part, a lot of working with our kids, training with our kids has to do with conversation, especially as the kids grow older. Um, it starts and ends with talking with our children and setting expectations for, for how they should behave when they're out or for obeying the first time in all situations, having those conversations pointing them beyond themselves. Kids tend to be very self-centered in their own world, thinking about what they want to do at that particular time. And we as parents come alongside them and we show them the whole world outside them. We show them that there's such a thing as other people. And, and we point them beyond themselves. Um, I think about this, you know, we, we, we are responsible for teaching our kids how to love. And a lot of what's involved in love is thinking about how our actions benefit or can harm other people. And so we have to help our kids see how their actions may benefit or harm others. I think of this on Friday nights. And we do have kids who, who run around quite a bit in church. And they're, they're not thinking about other people. They're not being wicked. They're not being immoral. But they're not thinking about other people. And we do have older people who on their way out the door may be talking to somebody and a kid may smack right into them. And to me, and I'm kind of a doom and gloom person, to me it's just a matter of time before that kind of thing happens. I think we just, I think God is merciful every week that it doesn't happen. But they're not thinking about how their running may have an adverse effect on somebody else. And so as parents, 
we have to do that thinking for them and then we have to establish boundaries so that they can stay within those boundaries and people can't be harmed and they can begin to think about how their actions affect others. And that requires consistent intention on our part because it's not always fun to have to do that. It's much easier to just let them go and just kind of hope that nobody's going to get hurt. But an important part of that intention part, doing the not fun things, doing the correcting, doing, sitting them down, setting the expectation, a lot of what's involved in that is God training us. As we train our kids, God the Father trains us because we do a lot of fighting within ourselves of, oh, I don't want to do it. It'd just be easier to, to talk to these folks and, and they can just go and everything will turn out fine. But when we do the hard work, God is training us to think beyond ourselves and what we want and trains us in patience, talking with patience, teaching our kids, not just scolding them. There is a difference between scolding and teaching. Something took me a long time to, to actually figure out. Last part is the means. And, you know, all of our life is the, the playing field for growth and maturity and in following Jesus and becoming like him in our character. All of life, our work, our marriage, our friendships, our health, everything is in play, and it's the same for our kids. All aspects of their life is part of that playing field for growing in maturity, whether they're at school, whether they're relating to their siblings, whether they're doing extracurricular activities. For us right now, with, with our older kids, um, a lot of it is just attitude towards school, how they think about school, how they deal with having a lot to do, how they manage their time, how they respond to not doing well on an assignment or on a test. So a lot of our conversations about growth and maturity has to do with how they think about school. Um, another thing that I want to talk about with, with regard to child training, because I think this is a misconception when we talk about child training, we are not talking about breaking the will. Um, there is kind of a school of thought that talks about breaking the child's will. That's not what we're talking about, and we don't subscribe to that theory. We respect free will. We respect free will in our kids, but that doesn't mean that free will doesn't come with consequences any more than it means that free will doesn't have consequences for us. So we can present those consequences to our kids in love and in patience, but still enforce the consequences as the result of the free choice that they have made. But we don't have to break their will. It's easy to make excuses for our kids. Um, maybe you have been there, maybe you've done that. Well, he's tired, it's been a long day, or he's hungry, or he's sick, and, and that is a way to explain the misbehavior that's, that's going on. But I understand that and I've done it, but you know, kids will become teenagers who are tired and who are hungry and who are sick. And those teenagers will become adults who are tired and who are hungry and who are sick. Um, we all have to learn how to bear with those situations that are not what we want them to be when we haven't gotten enough sleep or when we're hungry or when we're not feeling well. And so we can... We can use those conditions as part of the playing field in which we relate to our kids, try to help them grow in maturity. 
We take away their context for growth if we just remove them from situations where they're misbehaving or they're acting out because we say that they're tired or, or they're not feeling well. We remove the opportunity for growth there. Grandparents are notorious for this. Grandparents will save the kids every time that they can. Oh, let me just take them away. And then we remove the opportunity for growth. You can create conditions to practice first-time obedience. We did this sometimes as kids where we would have our, our child sit on a chair and we would just say, okay, we don't, we don't want you to move off the chair until we tell you it's time to move off the chair. We expect that you're going to obey. They'd get off the chair, we would have to put them back on the chair, and then there would sometimes be consequences. But the beauty of doing that is that you remove the pressure of doing things in the moment. Because if you're trying to get them to obey, say here on a Friday night after church, then the intensity gets ratcheted up because there are other things going on and you're in the moment. But if you can create training situations outside of in the moment stress, then you can begin to work with them, they understand, and, and you progress from there. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the time we give our expectations for our kids in the moment. And a lot of times that's not quite going to cut it. You need to give the expectations well ahead of time and usually not in a stressful situation. Because those muscles aren't necessarily going to be developed in the moment. You have to build up those muscles at home. So wrapping up, child training, uh, it's important to us because we're all about growing as disciples of Jesus, all of us. And we have that vision for our kids to raise them up as disciples of Jesus. And we want them to grow as his students uh, through our roles as parents and the authority that God's given us as parents. We want to exercise that authority wisely and well, not so that life runs smoothly or easily for us, um, not even just to keep them out of trouble, but so that they can become like Jesus in their character. All right, any questions? I'd, I'd probably rather answer these than the ones that you asked, Chad.